Hello and welcome to Deceased Cast. Today this is episode three. We're going to be covering A Good Day to Die, the one shot that was published in the middle of Deceased Miniseries 1, as well as Unkillables, the three issue miniseries published between Deceased 1 and Dead Planet, the second miniseries. This is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And since this is one of our special podcasts, we're going to get right to it. Starting with A Good Day to Die. Big Brother and Mr. Miracle visited to destroy the apocalypse, then head back to Earth to stop Darkseid's plague. Mr. Terrific examines the zombified Captain Boomerang, then travels to meet Scott and Barter. Together they catch a ride with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, heading to England, hoping to avoid having to face a zombified Superman or Wonder Woman. John Constantine, after sadly turning his zombified friend to ash, claims that magic can't stop the plague and refuses to even try. Mr. Terrific turns to his third solution, time travel. Bart and Scott give their lives so the rest of the team can reach Booster's time machine, but Wave Rider stands in front of it, denying them passage. Constantine, changing his mind, defeats Wave Rider. But Zombie Barter kills Mr. Terrific. And as the virus changes more and more about the present, Booster Gold's past disappears and he crumbles to dust. Wave Rider sanctimoniously claims he's protected the timeline, but Constantine prevents him from leaving, dooming him to be killed by Zombified Blue Beetle. Satana and Dr. Fate arrive, and Constantine joins forces with them against the end of the world. Unkillables issue number one. On a job, Deathstroke discovers a den of zombies who infect him through sheer numbers, but his healing factor renders him unkillable by the anti-life plague. In Gotham, Red Hood finds most of his estranged Bat family dead in the Batcave and buries them, taking the Batmobile and Ace the Bathound. Elsewhere, Rose Wilson, personally protected by her precognitive ability, receives a call from Deathstroke, her father. He tries to extract her, but zombie man-bat attacks, ruining his ride, and Mirror Master arrives, offering them safe haven with Vandal Savage. Savage reveals a group of supervillains in his haven on an island with a plan to survive by being more ruthless than the heroes. Batgirl, Cassandra Kane, and Commissioner Gordon fight off the infected in the GCPD when Jason rescues them. Jason and Cass reveal their identities and break the news that Babs was infected and killed to Jim. They escape to an orphanage and form a bond with the kids who are left. Unkillables issue two. Jim Gordon, Cassandra Kane, and Jason Todd elect to stay with the kids, since they can't make it to the Arks in time to get off Earth. Lady Shiva arrives to visit her daughter, but Cassandra refused to leave without the kids, so after a brutal fight, Shiva leaves again. Her actions cause a fight at the villain base, and Vandal decides to betray Deathstroke. But Rose sees it coming, as well as what happens next, zombie Wonder Woman attacking, killing Vandal, and fighting the rest of the villains. Shiva brings some of them back to the orphanage, but Mirror Master gets infected. Deathstroke persuades Jim to lead the group and train the kids to survive, and eliminate the infected children, including Billy Batson. 
three months of training and bonding, during which Jason and Rose become a couple, but Mirror Master attacks, infecting Bane, who lets the zombies through the gates. Unkillables, issue three. The team formed a desperate plan to head for the Gotham jungles, hoping for a sanctuary. Mirror Master Zombie attacks through windows and mirrors, killing some children, but Cheetah manages to kill him. Zombie Wonder Woman attacks, and Cheetah, Solomon Grundy, and Creeper buy the kids time to escape her. Slade, Jim, Cass, and Shiva go back to rescue Jason and Rose from Zombie Wonder Woman. But Shiva's infected, so she tears out her own heart. All of the villains and heroes can't stop Wonder Woman. And all looks lost as she drops the last bus from a great height. But one of the kids turns out to be Mary Marvel, who halts Wonder Woman with her power and the training she received. Then flies them into the jungle, discovering the magically protected sanctuary. So, this miniseries and this... um one shot both serve the same purpose which is to allow the creative team mostly the artist for the main series trevor harsing to draw the the main dc stuff so this is interstitial material to fill out the world and continue the deceased momentum without having to have fill in artists so this is basically fill in series but they're their own artists um, how do you feel about them? How do you feel about A Good Day to Die and Unkillables? I loved the art in A Good Day to Die. And uh, I like that this kind of explains why no one thought to use time travel or magic. It's, you know, a lot of the magicians were, were, were busy and they tried time, time travel and it didn't really work. So, so I like that it explores some solutions that may have seemed obvious to some people while reading uh, the, the original uh, run. I loved that Barda and Scott were in this. I, I read um, Mr. Miracle by Tom King and I just really fell in love with them as a couple. So I was happy to see them and their death is just kind of cute and, and just something I kind of would expect from them. I love Constantine. I do hate most magic stories, and I or I don't enjoy them. I shouldn't say hate. I don't enjoy most magic stories, but I do very much enjoy John Constantine. So having him be in here and kind of want to have nothing to do with him and then realizing that, oh, F, I have to do the right thing. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I think he portrays, who, who's the author on this one? Is it still Tom Taylor? Everything in this is written by Tom Taylor. Oh my gosh, that man's a genius. I just really like the way he, he wrote all, all the characters and I very much enjoyed uh, that one. I hated the art in Unkillables. I thought just, ugh. No one was pretty. I know if I was a guy saying there was no attractive girls in that comic, I would be a total chauvinist. So I'm being a complete hypocrite. But ugh, no one was pretty in, in Unkillables. And well, I'm Jason- gonna I'm gonna completely agree with you on the art. I I was very disappointed. And the thing is, I've seen the artist on Twitter do much better stuff. So I think it's partly the colorist, but yeah, he draws such squashed faces. Like everybody looks like their faces all compressed it seemed rushed it seemed rushed yeah. but the coloring did no favors for it 
But yeah, this coloring was so gray and drab. It was bad coloring. But I loved the characterization. I really loved Jason. The tombstone was just adorable. It was like, you know, what was it? Father, Batman, Bastard. <laughs> what was it? I oh, know I got to read it. It was too good. It was uh, Bruce Wayne, father, mentor, bastard, Batman. Like, that's just something that Jason would say and totally mean it, but also mean it sweetly. Uh, I really liked Rose. I liked how all the baddies, like, realized, look, this is the end. These kids are depending on us. And I just, we we just got finished recording uh, uh, our tech review. And in there we talk about, you know, how Batman wants believes in people he believes that the bad guys can change and i just love that this um this this non-continuity story where you can do whatever you want shows yes look these villains who know their villains are looking out for these kids and they're fighting they sacrifice their lives to protect these kids and in the third book i was legit like crying into my milk uh, Shiva's death just really got me because they do a pretty good job, even though they can only s- spend so much time developing characters and relationships when you have so many people in a book. They still got those beats right between Shiva and Cassandra and developing their relationship. So when Lady Shiva just rips her own heart out to stop from becoming a zombie, it just... I was just crying my eyeballs out and then, you know, Slade sacrificing himself and I was just a mess by the end. And I was a little disappointed that the new Shazam came so late and so many people had to die before she converted or transferred, whatever, transformed, transformed. Uh, But they do kind of explain that saying that she needed that training that the, that the villains gave all the kids before she did. But I feel like she should have transformed earlier and saved more people. But other than that, I really really enjoyed this whole trilogy especially the last issue yeah the the art aside on on unkillables both the one shot as well as uh the mini was absolutely wonderful and you know i i really think steph reads my mind when she comes up with her comments because we share a lot of of the same beliefs and feelings. Let me tell you, issue three was really touching, and and of all the deaths that we got in issue three, Shiva just did it. You know, we see it a little bit in in Batman and the Outsiders where Shiva's and and I'm sorry, Shiva and Cass are trying to have something. Not much of a mother-daughter relationship, but something. But you see the same thing here. And when, you know, she knows she's infected and she's about to transform, just to to know she's going to save her daughter's life by taking her own was just Kleenex. But the one thing that just always had me laughing and just bawling out laughing is the relationship that the little girl had with Cheetah and calling <laughs> her Kitty and the way she treated Cheetah like a pet and that was the only person who could treat her that way <laughs> that was hilarious but it, it, 
again, as Steph said, it proves that, you know, Batman's mission, you know, to save the villains, you know, can actually come to fruition. And, and you got that um, in this story. Now, with regards to A Good Day to Die, um, you know, who, who doesn't love the relationship between Scott and, and Barda and, you know, see them... Heartless monsters, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> to see them standing there, you know, as the undead, the dead undead surround them and, and go in for the kill. And, you know, all they can think about is is share quotes and, you know, gazing into each other other's eyes. Now, of course, if you're following um, Dead Planet, you know, hey, it's got free. Uh, but it's it's always touching when you when you see those two together. The, the relationship between Scott and and Barta is probably as pure and as loving as that between Clark and Lois. Uh, you know, they exemplify what soulmates truly are. So I definitely love that. You know, until the end, that they were able to to share that and share themselves with each other. But I absolutely love. Everything about the seas up until this point, I am on board with absolutely love it. And Unkillables was just just as good. Forgot to mention that Creeper was my absolute favorite. Like he takes the story out, like it takes you out of the story a little bit because it's so ridiculous. But I just love that he had like T-shirts of of the villains team name. <laughs> And and they just kept bringing that back into the story, and I just that was a humor. And Grundy were the best of friends. And the Grundy, oh, I loved Grundy so much. He was so sweet in this story. It was great. I loved Grundy. So I've been pretty open about my feelings about zombies and deceased and Tom Taylor, and so I hope it comes as a surprise to say that I actually did enjoy these. one shot and miniseries. I, I actually enjoyed it more than the main DC story um, because I cared more about these particular characters. So Cassandra Kane, um, favorite of mine, uh, Barden Scott, as both of you have said. Um, I don't know a lot about Creeper, um, but I did. He was hilarious and, and very sweet. Um, there, there's just a lot of, of moments that really endear you to these characters. Now, I do think it's a little unfair because you don't actually see these villains being villainous. Mm. Um, if you saw Slade, um, you know, slaughtering people like he does, or if you saw, or, or worse, like brainwashing his daughter and Cassandra Kane, or, you know, you saw Vandal Savage just murdering people as a warlord, like, it would be a little harder for us to stomach the, the funniness. And I understand that it's a story, it's fictional, it's meant to give us these... Um, this feelings and this hope, but I think it is worth remembering that these are actual villains who, who really do murder a lot of people for no good reason. Um, but I think that the idea that even someone like that can seek redemption and think of other people above themselves is a good, is a good message. Um, the, the only, the 
only exception was Vandal, you know, who who specifically went after Slade because he wanted he wanted his healing factor. I think that you know, outside of that, you're you're absolutely right. They weren't being villainous. They basically were gonna hide out on the on the island until they felt it was safe to come to come out. So a few discussion questions. This meta series leaves a lot of gaps. So like a lot of the the plot points are separated by training montages or something or you know getting everything ready for the arcs in the main mini series. Do you think that makes this story weaker or stronger or do you not really care? Do you like the fact that Tom Taylor is sort of just writing mini series after mini series? I mean this is a one shot, a mini series, and then we have another mini series in Hope at World's End that all fill in gaps in uh, the first deceased and the second deceased. So, how do you feel about all these gaps in the story? You mean the gaps that he's filling with the mini stories? Yeah. I think that it leaves room to tell more story and make a richer universe if that's what people want. And I don't think that these gaps leave dangling that obviously there's unanswered questions if you read you know deceased well what happened to constantine where you know what happened to zombie woman you know what happened to the sanctuary after the the ark took off so there are questions but there's nothing like there's no cliffhangers with dangling questions left and so if people are interested in care which they are and they bought these books and people like them and talk about them then it gives you opportunity to write more story that doesn't feel necessarily forced uh, or why 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 is this story written? We already had this answer. Well, no, we didn't. So I think it's a very clever sales move, I think, that you could write more if people wanted it. And if you don't, no one knows what they're missing out on. So I, I like it. Uh, and I like that he's enriching the universe. I like how he writes. I like the universe that he's building. So for me, it's just all frosting. It's all gravy. Ew, not both, I guess. But <laughs> I like it. And I think it, it definitely leaves me wanting to to buy more and, and have more story. Totally, absolutely agree. It, it and, and and I will admit in the beginning when when we got word of unkillables and hearing that it was it taking place in between, you know, other events of the of the of the miniseries, I wondered if the need was there, but what I see when you when you read these stories, whether it's whether it's uh, Unkillables or whether it's Hope at at World End, if you're reading it digitally, this cures the 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 illness that writers have for off paneling. You know, so a lot of those gaps that you will find in the miniseries or even in the main story off, we're seeing a lot of these holes being filled and being answered. So if you only if you're only reading the first six issues of the season, or if you're only reading Dead Planet and you're like, Well, you know, how did this happen? Why did this happen? What happened after this? You can you can more than likely find it by reading these meta-series. Um, and I think 
he is doing absolutely wonderful with regards to filling in the gaps via hope at world's end. So I am, I am definitely on board with it. It, 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 as Steph says, it, it definitely strengthens the deceased universe. Um, and, you know, allows for more story to be told. Those are, those are good responses. I mean, for me, I actually kind of like the the in-between series better than the main series um, because they deal with more characters that I'm interested in. And this is true for both Hope at World's End and for Unkillables. But I do think it's a very conscious marketing strategy, and I do think it's executed well. So I was complaining in our review of Detective Comics that Scott Snyder tends to just not end stories. He either stops and then starts again or says, buy the next story. And Tom Taylor... He is structuring it so that if you read it, you don't have to read more. But you can if you want. And I, I appreciate that. I just feel like it does feel a little, I don't know, conscious that he's leaving all this room for more stories if he wants. Um, and it just seems a little noticeable to me. Um, Steph has our next question. Uh, should magic have played a bigger role and been more helpful in the main series? Because it seems so strange. Like I was saying, we were left wondering what happened to, to all the magic people. But the fact that zero of them were in the first one trying to do anything did seem a little strange. Yeah, I, I, I don't have much of an opinion. The, the only magic that we got in before we get to... Uh, Unkillable, then we get to uh, the one shot in the main mini was the sword that Wonder Woman had, which, you know, of course, was magic lace, which made it, made Superman vulnerable to it. But I don't have as much of an opinion as to whether or not it would have made a difference. And you know why it wasn't used in the in the main series at first, so I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't really know. Um, I feel like obviously the magic stuff is set up so that it can be useful in the second series because Constantine and Shadow Pact are big characters in Dead Planet, but I'm not sure. I mean, I think that part of it is he really, Tom Taylor really wanted to focus on Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman because they're, you know, the Trinity of DC. So he wanted to show what happens to the Trinity and their closest uh, family and friends. And it was already a very sprawling cast with just those three and their connected characters. So introducing the magic characters and the cosmic characters and the new gods characters would have distracted from that more straightforward story. So that would be why I think they weren't in that first one, but now that, you know, they're off the table and you have the new Trinity, but you also want to bring in the bigger uh, the bigger cast for the second one. You want to set them up in these miniseries. So that would be sort of why I think as a narrative reason. I don't know if it makes sense as a world-building reason, but this is the DC Universe. We have aliens who can fly. We have Wonder Woman, who's a child of gods. There's only so far you can really be consistent with what works yeah. and what doesn't. Yeah, I more or less agree. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think it would have added too much chaos and um, too much story, I think, for the first one. So, I, I agree. 
for the most part on that. I just and, it and it's possible it's possible that it could have ended the story sooner rather than later. You know, because obviously we we know that magic for some for the most part works in many instances. So, you know, it, it's protecting the jungle, they can't, the, you know, the, the undead hasn't been able to penetrate it. So we know that it has an effect. So if it's immediately introduced into the main story, you know, we may have, we may have reached our ending by now. So that's a possibility. And our last question for discussion is, how does the art work for you on these issues? We have Laura Bronca and Derek Robertson for Good Day to Die and Carla Mostet for uh, Unkillables. We already sort of touched on this, but let's give our sort of opinions of the art and, as a whole in one place. Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, good, way, good Day to Die was, was absolutely awesome. I liked it better than the... Um, I mean, I didn't really love... The, the art on the main story. Uh, so when I was going through the trade, or yeah, when you go through the hardcover, the trade, it's very obvious when the when the uh, one shot comes up because the art is just so much different. And so I just like the action a lot better. I like the faces and how the people are drawn. It's not scratchy. <laughs> the people's faces aren't squished. Um, Constantine is just so animated and so expressive i just really enjoyed the art on that one and like we said for for unkillables art is just so unfortunate <laughs> squishy faces scratchy faces ugly people not i mean i mean I guess there's enough weirdos in this one like grundy and uh creeper that the art kind of worked for them but then again the the coloring was just fairly unfortunate like the shading was just weird. It just like I having confessing in in the main cast. I've kind of been webtoon addict lately, and you can really tell like the amateur art from the more experienced art, or because it's just so MS Paint fill in with with the with the bucket art. It's just I don't know. It wasn't very good. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't like awful. It just wasn't good at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to be the dead horse, but no, it 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 was the art in, in Unkillables was not great. It it looked rushed, uh, and I don't know if it was because of the coloring or what, but it it, it was not great. We could have done without that. Um, the Good Day to Die was beautiful. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'll leave it at that. I, again, don't want to beat the horse any more than what we've already done um, early in, in the cast, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I, I completely agree on both those things. Um, I, and I do want to reiterate, I've seen the, the art from the Unkillables artist on his Twitter, and it looks a lot better. Uh, I just don't know what's going on with this. I think the rushing explanation might have something to do with it. I don't know. Um, now we get to everyone's favorite part of the episode, Ian's bad take of the episode. Deceased doesn't say anything very interesting about the DC universe, characters, or themes, except the characters have relationships we like, and then we are sad when they die. So, set me straight, Stefan Theo. Is that okay? Like, the world is ending. Everything sucks. 
everything is gone. All you have left are your relationships, and you're lucky if you have those. So I think seeing Jason having to mourn and how he does that is interesting. I love that he goes out and he rescues his one remaining family member. I mean, how many times have Cass and Jason ever been alone together and had a conversation? I mean, I know I'm I'm the newer of the fans, but I I don't know anything like that. So I think it forces people to have relationships that you would never normally see and how they would interact. And I think that's very interesting. And I think that's something worth exploring because... Otherwise, we're never going to see that. And I think this is the definition of something new, even if it's just the relationships people have. And it's Elseworld, so uh, an alternate universe. But, um, yeah, you're wrong. I would say <laughs> with that, that. You like that. You like being wrong. So, well, it's called it. a bad take of the episode for a reason. Um <laughs> And if you, the dear listeners, want to set me right in my bad take of the episodes, please do so. We're um, open on the Discord and on Twitter at TBU underscore comics. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed listening to the Deceased cast, and we'll be be back next month with... We've actually caught up to the completed stuff, so we'll be working on both the incomplete digital first miniseries, Deceased Hope at World's End, and the ongoing second miniseries deceased dead planet so we'll see you next month